Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Uh, four people baptised, uh, which was wonderful. Uh, today, welcoming people into membership. I just want to encourage you, it might be that uh, last week that you were hearing a story of people being baptised, and that's not a step that you've taken in your faith journey. We want to encourage you towards that. Or maybe today, as Michelle has just mentioned, uh, it's maybe membership and actually uh, joining, officially kind of joining the, the family here at Clovey and all that that means. And uh, we encourage you, if uh, God's stirring you in either of those ways, then uh, if you're in the room, you can head out to next steps or you can come and see one of the team we'd love to talk to you more about that if you're online uh, you just fill in uh, the connect uh, form on the website and we'd love to uh, follow you up in that way as well well we are in a series on Romans Uh, we've been moving through the book of Romans looking at uh, this big idea of having a restored belief and you might remember a few weeks ago, I launched the series and, and, and spoke about God's truth. And God's truth is that God's gospel is for all. And that's how Paul started the letter. Uh, and then he went in and took a bit of a turn. He took a bit of a right-hand turn. Instead of unpacking more about the gospel, he started to talk about uh, humanity's problem. He started to talk about sin and, and rebellion and, uh, and the problem that we have as humans where we want to go our own way and not move into the path that God has for us. And then last week, we started to look at God's solution. We started to look at God's love for humanity, and we started to look at what it looks like and it means to follow Jesus. And a key verse in Romans is Romans 5.8, which says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And this is the core part of uh, Paul's message to the church in Rome. Remember, he's writing this letter to give them a full understanding of the gospel as he makes his way to them and uses it as, uh, in, in faith, when he wrote this letter, it was as a springboard uh, into Spain uh, for ministry, which uh, we know he didn't uh, get to, but that's his intent in writing this, uh, this letter. You know, last week uh, when we had the baptisms, uh, I don't know about you, but when I hear other people's story of faith, it does something in me. When I hear another person who shares about how God reached out and met them and how God has worked through their life, brought them to himself and giving them a life in him, it just kind of, it stirs me. It does something uh, in me. And last week we heard four beautiful stories of real real honesty and, and real vulnerability uh, of struggles around faith family life and, and struggles around uh, mental health, struggles around um, um, body image and, and, and different struggles that people had. But in the midst of all of that, an acknowledgement that God was with them. And even if they could see it or if they couldn't see it, God was with them and that God brought them close. And in the midst of a difficulty and trial and suffering, God reached out and brought them close. And, and I found that honesty and that vulnerability quite powerful. Uh, I found myself thinking and reflecting uh, on the stories that were shared last week and then thinking about my own faith story and thinking about, well, how has God saved me? And, and thinking about what are the things that God is bringing me closer to him in? What, what, what are the things that I maybe was struggling with in my life and God has brought me you know, closer to him? And, and he was there the whole time in, in the midst of my life and, and in the midst of my struggles. And, and I wonder if that's something that, you do 
I wonder if you have moments of reflection, moments of time where you, where you think about your life and, and you think about where God has been with you and he's been for you and he's been in the midst of maybe difficulty. And one of the things that was shared last week was around the assurance of God. And even when I didn't know God was there, God was there. There was an assurance. And this is where Paul takes us in the next part of the letter. In Romans 6 to Romans 8, he speaks about this word assurance. He, he, he gives the church in Rome an assurance in their faith and he shows them the way. And, and he kind of moves through these two kind of, uh, kind of uh, key words, assurance of faith and Jesus is the way. And he kind of weaves this in to his thought through Romans 6 to Romans 8. And we're going to kind of sit in that today. And what's really interesting is in, uh, Romans, uh, in Romans 6, chapter 6, he focuses on the truth that uh, we, with Jesus, we have freedom over sin and rebellion. And it, we have a gift of life that is in Jesus. In verse 14, chapter 6, he says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but you're under grace. In verse 18, he says, you've been set free from sin. You've become slaves to righteousness. And in verse 23, he says, another famous verse in Romans, he says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So in chapter 6, he starts to unpack the freedom of what it looks like to have a life in Jesus. And then in chapter 7, he, he, he starts to speak maybe a little bit more personally about his own struggle with sin and, and how his hope is in uh, forgiving God. He's honest and he's vulnerable about his own life. In verse 19, he says, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I keep on doing this. I wonder if you can relate. There are areas in your life where you're like, I don't want to do this, but I find myself keep doing this. And in verses 24 and 25, he has this, honest moment where he explains his hope in God. In verse 24, he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Well, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's sharing honestly and openly about his struggle with sin, but then the assurance he has from God. And more than that, he says, God is the one who delivers him. He knows that he can't deliver himself from his sinfulness. He knows he can't deliver himself from his own rebellion and selfishness that is inbuilt in him as a human. He knows it is only God is the one who can deliver him from that. I just want to call a quick time out, all right? A quick time out here because I don't know if you, know, if you think about the significance of this moment. In Romans 7, Paul is talking about his sinfulness and how wretched he is, and he's talking about God as the one who delivers him. And I wonder if we consider this just for a moment, right? Let's consider, this is, this is the Apostle Paul who's writing this, okay? The Apostle Paul who is a veteran church planner, been planning churches for 50-odd years, 25-odd years, sorry. And he is an author as well. He's written about a third of the New Testament. About a third of the New Testament is all, all to Paul. He's someone who's a seasoned campaigner in terms of being a church planner and preacher. Uh, he's an author. You know, probably not a stretch to say, possibly the most famous Christian apart from Jesus himself. Really well known across 
uh, all of humankind. And yet, here is a man who's saying he struggles with sin. Here is a man who says, I struggle. There's things that I don't want to do that I keep on doing. And there's things that I want to do that I can't get to. And I maybe, I just felt like God said to me today, hey, we just got to have a moment here, a little quick time out and say, there might be things in your life that you struggle with. Maybe things in your life that only you know and you've buried them down nice in places where other people aren't going to find them. But yet, God is the one who wants to deliver you from that. God is the one who wants to bring hope to you in that. God is the one who wants to bring freedom to you in that. And you might think, I'm too far gone, you know, in that area of my life. Or you don't understand, Mike. Well, what about if I said, maybe you're in the company of Paul? You're certainly in my company. But maybe you're in the company of Paul. Isn't it assuring for us today to realize that God is a God of forgiveness and he wants us to learn from Paul so we take our struggles and we take our sin and our rebellion and our selfishness and, and, and we actually bring that to God. We bring it to the one who's patient. We bring it to the one who's kind. We bring it to the one who is forgiving. And in chapter 8, Paul begins to speak uh, some truths into the Roman church about a life in Jesus and being led by the Holy Spirit. In verse 1, he says there's no condemnation. That's, that means there's no blame or judgment for those in Jesus. In verse 2, he says that Jesus has set us free. In verse 6 and in verse 11, he says that the Holy Spirit brings life and peace to our minds and to our bodies. And, and in verse uh, 14 and 15, he says that we are children of God. You are a child of God. You're adopted into God's family. In verse 26, he says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And in verse 28, he says, God works for good. Another famous verse, Romans 8, 28. God works for good for those who love him. See, Paul is writing with assurance. He's writing with precision and timing and a real purpose around this concept of being assured in your faith. Have assurance in your faith. You don't need to manufacture or make your own faith. Faith is actually leaning back into what God has already done. And he also is saying, this is the way, pointing the way to Jesus. And Paul comes to the end of chapter 8, and he's sort of bringing together his thoughts Actually, from, from chapter 5 all the way through to chapter 8, he's collecting his thoughts at the end of, of chapter 8. And it's like he's coming to some sort of a climax or some sort of crescendo. It's sort of like um, if you're at a musical theatre or if you're, if you're at a play or something like that. He's coming to the final act or the final song. He's really he's building his thoughts and, and, and what he's trying to say to this last um, part of uh, chapter 8. And he's speaking about this assurance from God about our faith and the word work of Jesus and the love of God. And, and he says this in Romans 8, 31 uh, to 39. So if you've got your Bibles or your phones, you can turn to this. He, he's bringing it all together in this moment. And he says, what then shall we say in response to these things? In all, in all these things that I've just shared with you, he says, what shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. 
Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow, what a, what a beautiful finish to Paul's thought there from chapter five through to chapter eight. And he asks these four questions here as he's concluding his thinking. And, and they're good for us to reflect on today. And he says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? In verse 31. And he says, no one. He says, God, after all, has given us his son and he'll give us all things with him. And the second question he asks, he says, who will bring a charge against whom God has chosen? In verse 33. He says, no one. No one can do that. It's God who has justified us and he has declared us to be right. The, the third question he asks is he says, well, who will can condemn us? Who will sentence us or who will convict us? And he says, no one. He said, Jesus has died. He's been raised and exalted. And more than that, he's interceding. He's praying for us. And, and number four, who shall separate us from God's love in verse 35? And what does he say? He says, no one. No one can separate us from God's love. Many things might try. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, the sword. But victory is ours in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can separate you from God's love. So we're worshipping today, we're worshipping, worshipping about a powerful, beautiful, wonderful man called Jesus, our Christ, our Messiah, the one whom we have given our lives to, those of us who are followers of his, the ones who have found a new life in him. Nothing can separate us from God and his love. And it might be today that or maybe lately in your life, you've been going through a season or a time where you might feel that you know, people are against you. You might have some situation in your life where you're feeling like people are against you, or maybe even there's times in your life where you think you're a little bit against yourself. It's like you're tripping up over your own laces. There's one thing to have people maybe you know, against us, but it's a whole other conversation to feel like sometimes we're against ourselves. It might be that we feel that today and you might be carrying some of that. Or it might be that you find yourself in a tough situation or, or just a really difficult season. Might be some things going on at home or at work. Might be some stuff that's just unresolved that feels like it's sitting on your shoulders. You just don't quite know what to do with it. You might be feeling judged by others. 
in your world. It might be that you're making a stand for some things in your faith at work or at home and you just feel misunderstood. Or maybe just flatly people are just speaking badly about you. It might be the situation that you find yourself in or maybe things are not going so well between you and God at the moment. Maybe you're feeling the distance, let's say. And that's something that you don't like. And, but you know it's there and you know it's real. See, we're going to find ourselves in different situations at different times in life. And the different seasons and the different moments that we work our way through, we're not immune to any of that. But what do we need to hear today? Uh, what is the, the truth in the word of God that we need to hear? Well, we need to take assurance in how Paul speaks to the church in Rome. And he says in verse 37 and 39, he says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it might be that you need to hear that afresh today. It might be a verse that you know, but you have not received. That nothing can separate you from God's love. And he's here in your life, in the room and online, wherever you're meeting with him today. And he's reaching out to you and he's saying, I love you. And I want you to be part of my family. And this is really important when it comes to a series that we've called Restored Belief. Because maybe there's some beliefs that we have that need restoring. Maybe there's some you know, thought patterns, or maybe there's some you know, assumptions, or maybe there's just some ways that we've been operating that are not from God. Maybe we've picked them up from somewhere else. Might have picked them up from our family of origin, or we might have picked them up from an experience that we had with, with someone, either negative or positive, or we've picked them up from a different workplace, or, or wherever it is. You just pick these things up, and maybe God's nudging you today by His Holy Spirit, and He's saying, You know what? Actually, you need to look at that belief because it's not a belief from me. He, he's wanting to restore that belief. And today, Paul's speaking about assurance, having an assurance of faith, but he's also talking about showing us. The way. And there's two, there's two things just really quickly that I wanted to look at today around us having a, a restored belief uh, from this book of Romans and this passage today. And the first one is what I've been alluding to already so far. And that is that God is for us. God is for us. And you might need that as a restored belief today. You might need to know that God is for you. You might not be thinking that way. You might not be operating in that truth, but you need to know that God is for you. This is what God has done for us. Romans 6 through to Romans 8, all the, the bits and pieces that I've been sharing with us from those passages, this is what, this is what he's done. We, we, we've received grace from Jesus. We've been set free from sin. We have eternal life, which is a gift from God. We've been rescued from our rebellion. We've been delivered. There's no condemnation. The Holy Spirit has brought us life. We have received God's peace, His shalom. The Holy Spirit helps us in all areas of our life. God works for good in our lives. We are more than conquerors and nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
I hope that that brings assurance into your life because God is for his humanity and he's for his created. And I need to ask you, do you believe this? Is this a belief that you live in the truth of? Or is it a restored belief that you need to accept today? Because the truth is that God is for you. But sometimes we all have different internal narratives. And some of those narratives can be a deficit narrative where you, you could say, well, that can't be true for me. You don't understand, Mike. But no, you need to accept and know today that God is for you. He is for you. And we put these uh, words in a little word cloud. You can see it uh, on the screen. The, the, this is what God has given. And I wonder today, is there, is there a word that, that kind of jumps out? It might not even be a, one of the big ones. You know, but is there, is there a word that from this truth that, that, that comes out for you today that it stands out? You know you need to receive it. You know that there's a, a change that you need to make in your life to acknowledge and accept that God is for you. He is for you. It's a truth, a restored belief he wants you to live into. And the second uh, point uh, today that comes on from knowing that God is for us is that we need to live in God's love. We need to live in God's love. Verse 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And a conqueror is uh, the, the, the imagery that Paul's using here in the original Greek is to gain a surpassing victory. And what he's trying to say is that God's love is a conquering love. It's a victorious love. It's not a love that is passive, but it's a love that wins. And it's a, it's a love that we can see that we uh, live in the victory of God. And we can live in the victory of God because what he has done for us, because of his love and because of what Jesus had done and did on the cross. And I want to take us back to where Paul started this thought. He started this thought in Romans 5. And in Romans 5, 1 to 8, this is why we can live as more than conquerors, because of what Jesus has done for us and through God's love. And Romans 5, 1 to 8 says this. It says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that our suffering produces perseverance, our per perseverance character and our character hope. And our hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. In verse 8, we spoke about this one earlier. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is why, my friends, we can be more than conquerors. And this is why we can live in God's love, have an assurance that God is with us because of his great love and because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross through his death and through his resurrection that we can have this new life in him. And because of that, 
when life's going well, or as Paul says here, even in our hardship and sufferings, we know that God wants to develop and grow in us a perseverance. And this perseverance develops our character. And this character gives us a hope, a hope for now and also an eternal hope for the future to come. So we can live in God's love, growing in our perseverance, growing in our character, and growing in our hope for now and a hope to come. And again, this might need to be a recalibration for some, a a reorientation of a restored belief in God, knowing that God is for you and he's wanting you to live into his love. Because ultimately, that changes us. And it changes what we value. It changes what we think about. It changes where we put our resources and our time and our energy and our effort. As I was thinking about um, this today, I went back to a a story that is probably familiar to many of of William Carey. And uh, I thought a couple of weeks ago, I gave you John Newton. May as well give you another story from the past. And William Carey is a beautiful story. A real pioneer, the father of modern day missions, left England and went into India. And he knew that God was for him. And he knew that he could live in God's love. But his life was not easy, if you know anything about his story. He had some real family issues, uh, some health issues, uh, and, uh, and, and one of his children passing away. He was in India for seven years before anyone came to faith. His first convert was seven years after, after uh, being there. Uh, he's a self-confessed plotter. He says, I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And he was famous for, uh, for, for saying the, the phrase, attempt great things for God, but expect great things from God. And he was in India 41 years and left a real legacy in terms of Bible translation, education. Uh, he was on that front edge of the... Um, of the Um, slavery movement and the abolishment of slavery. He paved the way for people like Hudson Taylor and David Livingston and and these uh, missionaries that went into places that made a real impact. But what he shows us is as he lived in these truths, that he knew God was for him and he lived in God's love, he grew a perseverance in his life. He admits the hardships and the sufferings. There's a perseverance and that perseverance grew a character. And with that character was a hope. And I think that's the the challenge and the encouragement for us today is to reflect on our lives before the Lord and ask the Lord today, where is it that I need to know that you are for me? And where do I need to move more into your love? Because with that restored belief, our actions are impacted. We grow in our perseverance. We grow in our character and we grow in our hope. So I want to give us the time to do that as we reflect over communion.